today on this special Veterans Day edition of Government Matters. The White House's Veterans Day proclamation includes improving access to benefits for those service members. How one organization has made it its mission to support over a million disabled veterans every year. A pilot program just launched to support veterans struggling with PTSD. A look at the PAWS Act and how one organization is using service dogs to help military vets. And open season has just started for federal employee health benefits that veterans and federal employees across the government can access. What's new this year and how to get started. Government Matters starts right now. From Washington, D.C. and around the world, this is Government Matters with Mimi Gerges. This is Government Matters, the only show covering the latest news trends and topics that matter to the business of government. I'm Mimi Gerges. Today, we're honoring our nation's heroes in a special Veterans Day edition of the program. The White House has announced improvements to veterans' benefits eligibility as part of a Veterans Day proclamation. And that's just part of the story. The Disabled American Veterans Organization has made it its mission to support more than a million veterans every year. Joy Elam is National Legislative Director at Disabled American Veterans. She's also a veteran of the U.S. Army. Joy, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Tell me a little bit about the services that you provide to vets. So DAV has many services that we offer. Uh, one of our premier programs is our National Service Program. Uh, we provide free assistance to veterans who are filing claims for a disability, um, looking for ed their educational benefits. Um, we also have a transition service officer program where um, at certain military bases we have um, service officers available to help transitioning service members as they're getting out of the military and as well as department and chapter service officers so really around the country to be able to um, help veterans really get all of the benefits they've earned as a result of their military service. And how do you define disability? What about mental health issues like PTSD? Absolutely. Um, mental health issues, post-deployment mental health uh, issues like post-traumatic stress disorder, um, you know, are considered an illness or injury that um, can be service connected. And we always encourage veterans, you know, as they're transitioning to seek help for those, you know, conditions at the VA Medical Center. Um, but also for some veterans that have a chronic disability, they should also file a claim for um, benefits. And how does your organization work with the VA, the DOD? How do you collaborate with them? We work very closely with VA. Um, we really look at all of their programs and services, so both on the healthcare and benefit side. And uh, collaboration comes in many ways. So for myself, I testify on behalf of DAV's membership uh, before Congress, before the House and Senate Veterans Affairs Committees primarily. Um, we advocate for um, VA's budget, so we have to work closely and understand what the needs are in terms of staffing needs, infrastructure changes, modernization for the healthcare system, and uh, so there's a variety of ways that we work directly with them. And you've been working with uh, the VA on sexual harassment issues. Tell me a little bit more about that. One thing we um, found uh, last year um, was that there was really um, an outcry from a number of veterans saying that they felt that they were being harassed while attending their appointments at VA and we wanted to make sure 
um, that every veteran has a safe and welcoming environment when they seek care because so many of them really need that care and that can be um, a barrier to them getting the care that they need. And so I was very pleased at the beginning of this administration to be invited by DOD Secretary Lloyd Austin and the uh, VA Secretary Dennis McDonough for personal small group meetings with um, advocates that are really trying to make this change. So DAV is definitely a partner with the VA. Um, I'll be participating in an internal work group um, to really uh, carry out the changes that they want to make. You mentioned that you testify in front of Congress on behalf of disabled veterans. What are the big issues that you're dealing with now in front of Congress? So with the 117th Congress, we've seen a couple of issues really come to the forefront. One is on toxic exposures. So um, any veteran who's been exposed to uh, burn pits, particulates from burn pits, or Agent Orange, or other toxics, um, um, chemicals during their military service, and have become ill or have a condition related to um, that exposure. Congress is really working hard to come together to make a complete package, as well as VA working with VA, to make sure that veterans get uh, the benefits that they need and the health care that they need to uh, care for themselves uh, with those conditions. So aside from that, uh, the toxic exposure, what are you seeing as the biggest issues that disabled veterans are dealing with? Another issue right now, I think, just uh, as the pandemic uh, comes continues on somewhat, isolation. Um, I think everybody's been really worried about mental health and suicide prevention. Uh, both Congress and VA have really worked hard to make sure that veterans know, you know, they have access to um, the services that they need, you know, a crisis line. Um, they've just rolled out, VA did a new strategy, um, really focusing on lethal means safety. Um, ensuring that veterans who might be in crisis, um, you know, have safe means for um, maintaining their medication or firearms, and that they have good crisis intervention care. So all of those things are extremely important, and we want to make sure veterans get the help that they need, and we want to really lower that rate of suicide among the service members and veterans. I just want to close with a personal question because I know that you're uh, a vet of the U.S. Army. What has it meant to you to work with disabled veterans? Um, I consider it a real privilege as a disabled veteran myself. Um, it's an opportunity to give back. You, everyone starts at the same place. You know, we've, we've all served. And once you've experienced an injury, that impacts you for your lifetime. And so many of our members are, have been seriously disabled, um, but it really provides an opportunity for us to help them get the employment that they need, the health care, the benefits that um, they've earned as a result of their military service. And so as a veteran myself, and I use the VA health care system, I know how important it is to have that support. and. Um, I think DAV, you know, has allowed me to do that, and I feel very privileged to, to um, do the work that I do. All right. Well, Joy, thank you for doing that work, and happy Veterans Day to you. Thank you so much. Coming next, service dogs can help veterans struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder. Straight ahead on Government Matters, the latest on the VA's pilot program and the PAWS Act. You're watching WJLA 24-7 News.
The PAWS Act stands for Puppies Assisting Wounded Service Members. It's a program that connects service dogs with U.S. military veterans struggling with PTSD. It's currently a pilot program at the VA. Rory Diamond is CEO at Canines for Warriors, a nonprofit organization that provides service dogs to vets. Rory, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So the PAWS Act was passed a few months ago. The pilot was launched in October. What's your organization's connection with that program? Yeah, so we actually wrote the PAWS Act. Uh, so we were very excited to see it get signed into law. Right now, we're in that part of the process where we're working with the VA to figure out how do we take a law and turn it into action. And so we're excited to be doing that work right now. So how do dogs help vets with PTSD? What, what do the dogs actually do for them? Yeah, it's a great question. So they do lots of different things. First of all, cold nose to wake you up in the morning is a good reason for anyone to get up and out of bed, which is a huge piece of the puzzle. But most importantly, most of our warriors are isolating at home. They don't want to get back out into the world. They're depressed or have hypervigilance or just going to a store or restaurant is really challenging for them. But if you bring a service dog, a really well-trained service dog with you, and when you are having a moment of crisis, instead of focusing on what you're afraid of, you focus on your dog, your heart rate calms down, you start to relax, you get your vision back, and you're able to continue. And if you do that enough times, it's like muscle memory. You stop having these anxiety attacks when you're out in public, and therefore you can get back out to the world. Give me an idea, Rory, of your process. Do you start with rescue dogs, puppies? Yeah, Canines for Warriors uses primarily rescue dogs. So we're going to high kill shelters all over the country, primarily in the Southeast, finding these incredible dogs, bringing them back to our campuses in Florida and Texas, getting them back up to health and training six to eight months. Then the Warriors stay with us on campus for three weeks as we train them and show them how to use their service dogs. Can you give me an example of a vet that has actually been helped by one of your dogs, an actual personal story? Yeah, one of the best examples I can give you is Luana, who's in Texas. And she was literally in her bedroom every single day, gun under her pillow, lock on the door, not being a mom to her two great kids, not being a wife to her husband, really hiding from the world. Uh, her uh, husband convinced her to come to Canines for Warriors. She got a service dog. The first couple of weeks were very tough, but it's unbelievable. By the end of the three weeks, Luana wanted to actually speak at our graduation, if you can imagine this. Um, then she went back home, learned how to use her service dog, started going back to school, and now she's coaching Little League. She's doing all these great things, president of her PTA. It's a, a full 180 of someone who's fully isolating who's now back out to the world. And how many vets are you currently helping? Do you, do you have a waiting list? Yeah, unfortunately, we have a five-year wait list. Uh, Canines Warriors is the nation's largest doing what we're doing, but we're just scratching the surface. We've graduated 700 Warriors as of this month, but five-year wait list, it's a, it's a lot of work to get going on. And will you be continuing to coordinate and work with the VA? What are you doing with them? Yeah, without question, our job is to be a good nonprofit partner with the VA to show them basically how this can work so that they can partner with Canines Warriors, any other great organizations doing what we do to get more really high quality service dogs in the hands of the veterans who need them. So what new initiatives do you have um, at Canines for Warriors? Anything new coming up for you? Yeah, so we just cut the ribbon on our new Texas facility, but Probably most exciting is in Florida, we're building the world's largest rescue dog training center. So we'll be taking dogs from Virginia to North Carolina, Georgia, South Carolina, and Florida, trained to be incredible service dogs. And when it's all said and done, we'll quadruple the number of warriors we can serve. Well, what can people do to get involved? Because, I mean, a five-year waiting list, that, that shouldn't happen, Rory. 
Yeah, I fully agree. So the number one thing you can do is go to our website and learn about what we're doing to make sure that we can connect veterans with the services that they need. You can always give us financial support. We've got hundreds of events going on around the country that you can jump in on. Or if nothing else, go to your local shelter and see if there's a great service dog in waiting over there and let us know about it. Tell me more about the PAWS Act. I, know, I understand that it's currently a pilot program. What are we looking at for the future? What, what's the end goal for that program? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, we need to make sure that every veteran in the country who needs a really high quality service dog can get one. Now that doesn't mean pets for every single veteran. It means for those warriors who really have severe post-traumatic stress and other disabilities, that they have access relatively quickly. So not five years, but maybe a year or two to get a really great service dog to help them. And you had mentioned, I mean, of course, this is for PTSD, but it's also for other trauma, brain injuries, yep. military sexual trauma as well. Correct. Post-traumatic stress, traumatic brain injuries, military sexual trauma. About 24% of women who serve in our military are sexually assaulted. And we've got a huge national crisis in this area. The more help we get these warriors, the better. You know, I wonder, Rory, on a personal level, what this means for you to be able to work with veterans that are struggling with these issues and, and to be helping them in this way. Look, on Veterans Day, it's the number one day to honor those who sit on a wall to defend our freedom. I love getting to work with disabled American veterans and their families. Uh, there's nothing that warms your heart better than the moment they get their service dog and these two souls come together and you see hope reborn right in front of you. It's an awesome way to spend a life, no question. Well, Rory, we certainly appreciate you helping vets and, and we're all uh, dog lovers here on this program. So we really do appreciate your work and happy Veterans Day to you. Hey, thank you. I appreciate you all for covering us. Coming next, it's open season for federal employees' health benefits. Straight ahead on Government Matters, the options available this year and how to revise your plan before the deadline. We'll be right back. Open season for the Federal Employees Health Benefits Program has begun, and Veterans Day is the best time to review and revise those options before the December 13th deadline. OMB found that 95% of the federal workforce doesn't change their plans annually, and some are still using the same plan they selected decades ago. By switching plans annually, federal employees can save thousands of dollars and gain important benefits. Joining me is Walt Francis. He is a health policy analyst and author of the annual Consumer's Checkbook Guide to Health Plans for Federal Employees. Walt, nice to have you. Thank you. So only 5% of federal employees actually look at their plans and think about revising or changing. Why is it important to go through that process and look at the different plans? Multiple reasons. Uh, <laughs> the first one of which is there are lots of options that can save you a fair a lot of money with benefits just as good as the plan you're in maybe okay and if you don't check you could be just think of saving two thousand dollars a year for at least the next year and maybe years to come get can add up there but there may be a benefits change in the plan that would be important to you maybe they took away their super duper maternity benefit and you hadn't thought about that maybe your doctor or doctors have changed affiliation, they're not in the plan network anymore, you really need to do a little bit of homework no matter what. 
Can you give us an overview of some of the changes or, you know, even if there are any major changes to the health plans that people sure. should be aware of? There's one big change that affects all of them, and it's a plus, okay? So that's not an extra reason to change. Uh, there, there's something called surprise billing, where, you know, you get in an accident and they take you to the hospital and oh, yeah. anesthesiologist who you never heard of while you're still unconscious does something that costs tens of thousands of dollars. That's going away. So that is great. Going away in what sense? Uh, it's been banned. A bipartisan bill passed the Congress last year. I know that's a rare event. And um, uh, as of January 1st, surprise billing in all major health insurance, not just the FEHB, is a gone goose. So those will be covered even if they're out of network for you. Right, and covered at a reasonable price, not at the ripoff price they might charge. Uh, other than that, the changes are the usual. Some plans add a benefit, delete a benefit, premiums go up. Usually, it, the average is 3.8%, but some it's zero or even a decrease. Some it's a lot more. So, but the problem there is, let's say your plan premium doesn't change. That doesn't mean some other plan hasn't changed in a way that's better for you. So let me ask you about health savings accounts, um, HSAs. How do you determine if that's best for you, if you should do that, how, how involved you should be in that? HSAs are one of the most underused, fantastic type of plan in the federal employee system. Uh, they're in plans that are called high deductible, an unfortunate name, and they do have high deductibles. But, you know, the HSA, the health savings account, is money that goes in tax-free, and you get a, a large chunk just paid out of the plan premium, so you don't even, that's not out of your pocket. You can add to it if you choose. There's, you know, during the year, you can add 3000 bucks roughly uh, uh, for one person or uh, twice as much for a family. Um, and over time, that money can be invested. It grows tax-free and comes out tax-free if used for health care. Well, what is the five-year rule, and how does that apply to federal retirees? Um, if, it, it's, if you are not continuously enrolled in an FEHB plan or TRICARE, which counts, uh, for the five years before you retire, and on the last day before you retire, you will lose your FEHB health insurance forever. So it's an absolute imperative, even if your spouse has a better plan from some private sector employer, no, you, or at least you, or maybe you and your family, but it's the key thing is you, must be enrolled in an FEHP plan. So it, pick, a, pick a low cost one. The, high, the health savings accounts and the high deductible plans, those plans all have low premiums. Pick one, save your money. All right, so let's say, okay, you've convinced me we need to go through and look at all this, but it's so overwhelming. There's so many choices. It's like 40 different plans at least. How do you get started? A uh, couple of ways. First one is obvious. You check the brochure for the plan you're in, okay, to make sure there's a page and the, there's a brochure. They're all in common formats. They all are in plain English. And you want to look at the page that says how we change. Uh, there are four different ways you can compare plans. Uh, you don't have to compare a whole lot. It could be just your plan and others in a similar family of plans. For example, you could look only at Blue Cross plans because the one you're in may not be the best for you. Um, you can go to the OPM website, which gives some plan comparison tools. You can go to the checkbook website. We give some additional, the same and more 
plan comparison tools, including how much are you likely to save in Blue Cross Standard versus Blue Cross Basic or vice versa, save or cost, uh, plan websites. So a lot of ways to do research. So your checkbook then will delineate then the actual savings that, that you could get from this plan as opposed to that plan. Absolutely. All right. Well, and it's a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's time. So thank you very much. Thank you for coming in, Walt. Thank you. You can find more information about options for federal health benefits at govmatters.tv slash resources. And find us on social media. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook. We're on Twitter at GovMattersTV. And connect with us on LinkedIn at Government Matters Media. Let us know what you thought about today's special program. Thank you for watching our special edition of Government Matters this Veterans Day. We salute all veterans who have dedicated their lives to our country. We honor and thank you for your commitment to the nation. We also recognize the 100th anniversary of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier at Arlington National Cemetery, remembering service members whose remains have not been identified. That's the latest from Washington. Join me weeknights at 8 and 10.30 on WJLA 24-7 News and Sunday mornings at 10.30 on 7 News to stay plugged in on issues that matter to the business of government. Thanks for watching. I'm Mimi Gerges.